Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example, and this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. The, <laughs> I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. no. We're going to teabag fight. Yeah. <laughs> you heard of Junkyard Wars? No. Can I get another high five, Beavis? <laughs> now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Welcome, everybody. It's The Session. We are back on a Monday at 5 o'clock, which I'm very excited about, to be honest with you. There's a, there's something to be said for sort of getting back into the swing of things, even though uh, the, the, the method in which we are getting back to things is very different because we're still all socially distant. The studio is closed down, but that's not going to stop the beer information because tonight on the show we have Jamil Zanishef from a little brewery called... Heretic Brewing Company. Maybe you've heard of it. Probably not. It's one of those fly-by-night operations that nobody really, you know, works too hard at. Uh, isn't that right, Jamil? Oh, absolutely, brother. Yeah. Um, know. You know, we're about as fly-by-night as it gets. <laughs> yeah. Small. That's right. Tiny. We're we're you know a pittance. That's right. You sell you sell one beer over the t- over the bar, and that's to yourself. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I take the the dropper, the eyedropper, and uh, sometimes I'll split that up with two or three of my friends. You just and, go to yeah. town. You know. That's cool, man. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> um, well, well, it makes it easy because you can buy your, all your stuff at the homebrew store still. And Yes, yes. That's true. Or grow grow my own. Yeah. I've got one of those little pots from uh, the Home Depot. You got a topsy-turvy. And I, I put that on my patio. Yep. And I grow my, my malt. And my hops in the <laughs> same one. Yeah, and that's and that's uh, you know singular malt. You grow your one malt, yes. one thing. Yeah, put mm-hmm. it in there. And that's my cool. hop. That's cool, man. Well, I don't want to get too far into it. I don't want to, you know, give any secrets now. The details. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but we're going to be talking to you, Jamil, about your canned cocktails. Um, okay. Which is not, okay. Is this the first you're hearing of this? 
Yeah, I'm, uh, this comes as a total shock to me. <laughs> yeah, not that not that we're not that we're going to talk about canned cocktails, but that you have them. You have no idea. You're just you're up in your office, sequestered away. <laughs> Everyone else just sort of like runs the pumps in the palace here. Yeah, uh, I once in a while will look down upon the uh, the 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 workers yeah. and see what they're doing, but you know uh, I can't be bothered with that most of the time. Well, no, no, you've uh, you have to shave your face constantly. Yes, I don't know what yes. that means. Uh, it's but, a daily occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've we've talked a few times, you know, about your trials and tribulations of you know opening a distillery and doing all that kind of stuff. And I was fascinated that you have canned cocktails now, and yes. I I had some unrelated to the show, and I I I got to say they were drinkable. So uh, <laughs> I, want, right. I yeah, I wanted to get you. Uh, you can use my uh, my uh, you know my reference or whatever any marketing material if you want. Jason Petros says they're drinkable. Drinkable. But I wanted to talk to you about it because it is sort of, you know, it's it's simultaneously, I think, the the sort of new wave for craft beer. It's like a new way into the market, but it's also very unique in the fact that not a lot of people are doing it. Uh, so I want to chat with you a little bit about that and a little bit about what's going on at the brewery um, because I know that you've been updating people or talking a little bit about your operations uh, when you do Brew Strong with our close personal friend, Mr. John Palner. But yes. I wanted to inoculate our session listeners, with, uh, which is a timely pun, and I didn't mean it, but that's all right, uh, with all that information, what's happening at Heretic. I'm drinking a, a Heretic lager right now, as a matter of fact, in front of a, or out of a Firestone Walker glass, so... You know, nice. What are you going to do? So we're going to do that. We're going to have a good time. I, I I promise you. Mainly because Teresa is here again. Hi, Teresa. I am. How are I'm you? a fixture ish. You are the number one responder to my texts and emails, and the only one who responds to most of them. Hey, it's I true. Respond. I I'm definitely the kid in class who's like when the teacher asks, "Does anyone know the answer?" and I'm like, "Uh, yeah." You can't. Your hand just goes right up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I wanted to, uh, you know, I, I, as I told you over text, I wanted to low key shame, uh, Jamil a little bit about his canned cocktails. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I really just, I'm actually very curious because, um, as you may know, we do seltzers now, so I can't really like be too high and mighty and, uh, Ryan Heights Gabody about anything anymore. (laughs) Yeah, the the problem with seltzers. So, uh, boy, a year ago or a couple of years ago, they asked us. To, our distributor asked us to do seltzers, and so I embarked upon. Okay, how do you make a great seltzer? And you know, it became expensive ingredients. You know, real fruit instead of you know fake fruit flavors and all this stuff. And um, so the price really became significant because I'm not going to make, you know, something with, you know, a, a squirt of uh, natural extract uh, yeah. because they're, you know, it's just a bunch of chemicals. Uh, you know, when a raspberry seltzer is clear, uh, it's got to tell you that there's no raspberry in it. It's chemicals that taste like raspberry. So uh, we did these, these ones with real fruit. And it became quite expensive. And then I realized, you know, the there's so many big players getting into uh, uh, seltzers and mm-hmm. the price is being driven down. The margins are going lower and lower and it's a kind of a bulk. It's, you know, the 
the light beer wars are all over again. And so um, I, I was like, you know, I, I don't want to play in that space. So we still make it because people like the, the one we did with real fruit. <laughs> but mm-hmm. It's pricey. And so um, what I want to do was cocktails because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, mocktails out there, yeah. you know, there, there's, uh, you know, your wine coolers and then there's cocktails made with malt and, uh, you know, flavorings and they're horrible, but <laughs> you can, you can actually make a real cocktail and, uh, you know, put it in a can and it's very durable, you know, it doesn't oxidize like beer does. And, uh, you know, if you look at our cocktails, they're all, I mean, Moscow Mule's the lowest at 10%. Uh, the others are 14, 15% ABV. And if you look at everybody wow. else's cocktails, they tend to be five to 6% because a lot of times they aren't actual cocktails. They are malt-based alcohol, like a beer mm-hmm. with, you know, flavorings added. And so we want to do some with real fruit, like you'd make a cocktail at a bar and put that in a can. So uh, it was tricky, but I think, you know, the, you know, the flavors are, are there. They're, they're actually quite nice. There was that moment in time where beer cocktails tried to become a thing and they just, it didn't really pan out. And I think part of what you were saying is, you know, at, at its essence, it, it sort of always had a beer element to it and when you drink a cocktail you don't want the beer element to it you want a cocktail you want a a little bit of punch from the alcohol but you know it never really got there and you know the other side of that is whenever we've talked about beer and and and, you know you and i or or on the show or whatever it's anything you do to a beer has to be a beer first but how do Mm -hmm. you then translate that over to a beer cocktail it just it didn't it didn't make any sense in the space and uh Um, yeah, I think yeah. if you're going to do it, you got to do real cocktails. If you can do beer, do real beer. Right. If you can do cocktails, yeah. do real cocktails. If you can do wine, do real wine. You know, don't, you know, I, and I appreciate people experimenting and playing around, but sure. You know, for the right reason, because you think you're going to make something that tastes great. So a great experience for the consumer versus uh, just making something because it's cheaper that way. You know, and we see a lot of that. Well, it's cheaper that way, or it's easier that way, and mm. unfortunately, that's that's a real problem. I think where you know the consumer is getting screwed. So, um, yeah, well, it's like a race to the bottom. You're not really producing the best thing you can, but the thing you can produce, you know. Right. Well, today, just to stay alive, I mean, that's that's kind of <laughs> it. But you know, um, and. and I will also say, you know, if a consumer enjoys a product and they think it's great, then they're not wrong. They right. should enjoy it and screw anybody who tells them, you know, it's like people poo-poo cheese whiz. But, you know, if somebody loves cheese whiz, okay, who are you to tell them not to have cheese whiz, right? Yeah, you're not their doctor. <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> you're not right? their doctor. Put down the cheese whiz. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's the same thing. It's yeah. like, oh, you can't drink that beer because, you know, uh, for whatever reason. Or you can't drink seltzer because, you know, seltzer is this or that. It's like, well, you know, just back off. Just let a human being consume what a human being wants to consume. You know, <laughs> these are these are big words from the style guideline guy. 
you know? Oh, I, I mean, I, I believe in the styles because they became styles because, you know, beers were brewed over and over and over that, you know, a, a community loved. Yeah. And, um, you know, it became a thing. And, you know, it, it must have become that, you know, a thing because, you know, at least hundreds or maybe thousands of people loved it for, you know, however many years. And so maybe there's something there. So I like, you know, it's like cooking a different recipe, you know, uh, you know, for dinner. It's like, oh, I hear this is good. You know, yeah. how many times have you done that? It's like, well, let me, you know, you hear about it, uh, you know, in some movie or f- from some friend and then you Google it and you try cooking it. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing. And then, you know, sometimes you love it and you found something new and sometimes, you know, you're like, nah, it didn't work for me. Uh, yeah, that's true. In fact, I had this experience yesterday. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I got this big giant Greek cookbook. Um, it was like 600 pages of recipes from like Greece and traditional Greek cooking. And cause I'm really trying to feel myself and, uh, these lovely pictures and, and, and even has like, you know, the recipe and then it has the recipe name in Greek. And I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. Like I, you know, I can sort of like vibe out and you know, everything I've made is sort of like, oh, this is sort of, uh, I don't say bland, but basic. It's not churched up. It's not like like weird ingredients or whatever, or like fusion or inspired cooking or whatever. It's just, just this is what someone's grandma made for four hundred years or whatever. And like I remember yeah. the, the uh, these flavors when my dad would would cook. And it's so like maybe, maybe not bland, but solid. Yeah, solid exactly. Greek food. And they're they're yeah. baseline. It's like chicken, tomatoes, <coughs> uh, red wine vinegar, and oregano. And like you can make a hundred <laughs> hundred dishes with that. But <laughs> but it's the same kind of thing where where if you want to riff on that you should really nail that base first mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. same thing with, yeah, with beer styles point. i guess absolutely but uh i guess it's also the same way with cocktails too i mean how when you started the distillery did you envision one day getting here or was this sort of a um you know a, a creation of your circumstance yeah uh because i had uh you know <laughs> when we when we started part of it was um my my good friend, uh, uh, Brendan Moylan, he was taking our waste beer and processing it at his distillery into, you know, uh, whatever shine he was doing. Yeah. Rocket fuel and, for his day. And he, and he told me, he's like, you know, you ought to, you ought to get yourself a distillery license. And I said, well, I have another address I can use here to get a distillery license. She's like, Hey, you should. So I did. And, um, and at the same time, I had also um, become familiar with uh, uh, what's now Cutwater's uh, canned cocktails. And I was like, okay, okay, you know, so that's a thing too. And and I, I just thought, well, you know, you could really, you know, uh, zhush it up yeah. and put a, put a little more, you know, zing into it and, uh, you know, make a bolder cocktail as well. And then... We got the distillery started. It was a lot of work and, you know, making things like whiskey and stuff like that until we actually had products that we could, you know, package and sell. It took years. Uh, And then, you know, the RTDs, the ready to drink cocktails, um, I must have worked on that solid for two years. I mean, well, I got everything else going on, but it takes a long time to come up with a recipe that will work well as a, as a canned cocktail. You have to, you know, there's certain things 
um, you know, if it settles out in a big, huge lump and coagulates at the bottom and then you got like <laughs> snot coming out, right. And oh, yeah. That's going to work. You yeah. know, you got to make sure that one, uh, important thing is that, uh, the cans, the cans are lined, uh, to mm-hmm. stop, you know, otherwise you get metal flavors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why, you know, beer cans are lined, but those linings, they have limitations and you cannot, uh, you know, put too much, uh, alcohol. Hmm. Uh, there was, a I, I saw, you know, online, somebody was saying they're putting hand sanitizer in, <laughs> in cans. I was like, Oh, oh yeah. No, you can't do that. I read the, that. The 80% alcohol yeah. will melt that can. Really? Yeah. And, uh, it was like spring leaks, right? Oh. Yeah, I was like, oh, because my folks are saying, hey, we should put our sanitizer in cans. I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) And I thought, oh, I should tell them, uh, you know, but I don't want to reach out on social media and like be that guy, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You know, they must know something in there. I don't know. Uh, But so, you know, it's the same thing with cocktails. You can't exceed a certain ABV. You can't, uh, you need to be careful about the acidity. They have very, you know, stringent limits. Uh, you know, when we made a 9% beer with a uh, tangerine in it, uh, Ball wanted to, you know, test that beer. You know, that's pretty mellow compared to some of the other things people do. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. We need to send yeah. us some to the lab. Either that or they thought it sounded good and they want to have yeah. some. Right. You know, So they, uh, they wanted to test it to see if their cans they, could contain it. They, they, did, they did ask for like a gallon. Oh yeah, uh, I'm like oh, me I too, man. Gallon for testing, but yeah, um, yeah. I work for a uh, ball, and uh, we need some, you know, constant. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah, you, you have to. There's a lot of work that goes into the recipes, and then, you know, dealing with the TTB. Um, you know, they're very strict. You know, they. Uh, you know, our lemon drop. It has a little bit of orange juice in it. And, uh, you know, it, it really rounds out the citrusy without, you know, being sharp and angular. It, it doesn't taste like orange juice, but it's just a little bit in the background. It's a, it's a common uh, thing that a lot of bartenders do. And, you know, when they're making a lemon drop. Mm. And so, uh, you know, the TTP, they're like, you can't put orange juice in a lemon drop. <laughs> call it a lemon drop. Call really? it something else. Yeah, I used to work I'm at like, TJ Fridays. Well, I know this. You can't do that. Right. And I'm like, uh, uh, they're like, you know, prove it to us that, you know, you can use orange juice lemon drop. I'm like, okay. And yeah, so I, I'm like, uh, I'll Google some recipes. <laughs> so <laughs> I Googled a bunch of recipes and, you know, there was enough of them that said orange juice in a lemon drop. And I give them a list of like 20 websites that say orange juice in lemon drop. And, um, they were like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's all right. We'll go ahead and let that go. So no, two things. Number one, isn't that their wow. job? <laughs> is to do the research to make sure that the, the, the paperwork matches. You I would didn't think. want to respond with, let me Google that for you. But, <laughs> oh. but uh, I don't know. Maybe you should. But also, and so why were they asking? Because you couldn't call it a lemon drop because it's a, call it's a specific it a lemon drop, thing? Right. I could make it, but I would have to call it specialty cocktail with lemon juice, lemon peel, vodka, sugar, orange juice. You know, it becomes this long convoluted name. Jeez. 
you would think with all the issues in the world today that they wouldn't really get that hung up on a little bit of orange juice. You know? <laughs> I know. Right. You'd, you'd think. Um, is it like a certain percentage or just none at all? Like you couldn't have over 1%? You couldn't have any. You Jeez. couldn't have any. They're like, prove why? to us you can put orange juice in a lemon drop. Why not just well, not tell and, them? You know, I think... You know, I think they're put in kind of a no-win situation at the TTP, right? Okay. Their job is really to protect the consumer and, you know, Mm. also to assist, you know, breweries, distilleries, and wineries with, you know, licensing and, you know, making sure the labels are correct. The FDA doesn't do label approval. The FDA just says, well, here's our rules. Good luck. And then, (laughs) you know, if you put something out that is a foul of the FDA rules and somebody mentions it, they will yank your product from or make you yank your product from the shelves and make you pay to clean it all up and and fix everything because you didn't follow their rules. With the TTP, at least, they're spending a bunch of time to check the labels for you and ensure that they are correct. And once you've got this cola, you can go out to market very confidently and say, hey, I've got TTB approval. So nobody can, you know, you know, say I'm wrong on my labels and I can't get in trouble for my labels. Hmm. So that's actually kind of a benefit of TTB. Um, but, you know, they also, it's very difficult. You know, back in the day, it was one dude, Battle Martin. Who? Um, That's right. Yeah, he, he was actually he was he was he was a great dude. I met him. That should oh, be actually. a beer label. For I, sure. I, I, we should make a Battle Martin beer label. Yeah. I, 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 I like get approved? He, he was, you know, if you talk to him about what you're doing instead of like you know fighting with him, yeah, he was extremely helpful, and you know, and and he really did have a sense of well, you know, this is correct, this is not. And then, you know, they had, with the growth of breweries, they had to bring in a lot of other people and a lot of new people started up. And one person <clears throat> wanted me to prove, because with um, any, any of the, co- with beer, you have a bunch of approved ingredients. With cocktails or with any spirits, you pretty much need a formula for anything other than plain vodka, plain, you know, uh, plain, you know, anything that you do, anything other than vodka, pretty much, you need a, a formula for. <laughs> All right. But I was, we're doing a lemon vodka, and I'm like, okay, so you take the lemon peels and you soak them in the vodka, and that's how you make lemon vodka. <laughs> and that formula was rejected because <laughs> I needed to prove that lemons were safe for human consumption. <laughs> I'm like, I, mean, like, I don't I, know how to respond to this. Yeah. Uh, like, what did you uh, say? Because how do you, know, you how do you I, prove I, it? I literally wrote it's a lemon. You know, the yellow yeah. things you see in the grocery store that people use for baking and drinks like <laughs> lemonade. Lemons. Yeah. And that one yeah, once I responded that that one went through. But mm. they wanted the and actually I'm sure they knew what a lemon was. And uh, we're not, you know, dim-witted. They were asking for the grass number. The FDA has a list of things that are generally accepted as, you know, food safe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There is no grass number for lemons uh, because they're lemons. So I actually looked it up. <laughs> they asked for the grass number. Okay. And so they're asking, you know, so 
I, for the sake of humor, I'm making them seem a, a little more dim-witted than they actually were. They're asking for the grass number. I'm like, there's no grass number. I'm like, it's a lemon that you find in the grocery store. Like you're, right. you're just and too so, deep in the grass, guys. Right, right. But the Got FDA him. does not grass approve, you know, ordinary things that everybody knows is food. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're yeah. more focused on, you know, this strange nut from, you know, Brazil or this strange berry from China is that, you know, accepted as food safe. Um, so they don't worry about like a lemon that you see in the grocery store. That's so crazy. That, that's where the, the rub came in. But <laughs> once I told them it's a lemon from a grocery store, they, they pretty much backed off. So. Well, when you're making these cocktails, how do you, and you know, don't worry, beer people, we're getting into some sort of beer adjacent, you know, conversation <laughs> here, but how, how do you, how do you address, you know, flavors? Are, are you thinking about the flavors in the, well, here, let's open one. Let's, and I say, let's, uh, let me open one. Which should I start with? Uh, we have the Moscow Mule, the Lemon Drop, the Staycation, and the Sip. And the, I want to talk about how you address the flavors and how you approach it. If it's you know from from a cocktail standpoint, or, or do you have to pare it down because it's being packaged, or or all this kind of stuff? And hopefully we can sort of translate some of that uh, you know flavor sure. verbiage. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll translate my two years of work into <clears throat> ten minutes of great radio. Well, yeah. yeah, I feel like that's really all it's worth. <laughs> I mean, we're doing you a favor. There, there you go. If anyone can do it, you can, Jamil. That's right. We're could, counting could on five minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whichever one you want to start with. Which which was your favorite, JP? Well, I've I only had two. Um, of the two, I like the Moscow Mule the best. Um, okay. So let's let's start with the lemon drop. The lemon drop. All right. Teresa, you should you should have come by. You should have come by, Teresa. Given, given you some. I know. I I actually was gonna go check out some grocery stores to see if I could find some, but my day was like, you know, it was like a COVID brewery owner day and I didn't really get there. <laughs> it happens. Uh, so it's available in the local stores. What I can, uh, <laughs> what I can say already is this is a very full can because it's not carbonated. So you can, so what, squeeze yeah. a little bit more in there. Yeah. Right. So the, the cans will splash you a little bit, a little bit, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and they're 12-ounce cans, Jamil? 12-ounce cans. By law, they can't be bigger than 12-ounce. Oh, yeah, because the alcohol. Yeah, makes sense. Right. Well, it, it wouldn't matter what the ABV is. It's Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's because it's got uh, distilled spirits in it. Mm. Oh, okay. Interesting. They have a, a limit on it. So I, I can't say I'm too familiar with the lemon drop um, other than ordering it for chicks when i was like 22 going out to bars so what's what am i what i'm getting is is a, a light lemon quality and a lot of like candy sugar like not just yeah, straight sugar should, but like candied yeah darker sort of you know whatever it should it should be you know sugary yeah. uh sweet but balanced with uh the acidity of the lemon and it's bright fresh lemon um yeah yeah it is I mean, bright, fresh, you know, lemon drop. High, high mm. ABV with, uh, uh, you know, uh, a ton of lemon, ton, ton, ton of sugar. Uh, it's kind of like lemonade. Um, yep. yep. It's with, interesting. Uh, you know, we talk about yeah. on the show like, um, you know, uh, a balance, or we talk about. Um, I I lost my train. I just totally lost it. Sorry. Right. Well, there there is a balance to uh, you know. A lemon drop. 
it's the balance of, you know, uh, very present and bold, uh, you know, citrus, lemon, sharp, acidic with, you know, backing sugar, uh, you know, to uh, not only provide a sweetness balance, but the fullness. So part of what you're tasting, JP, when you're mentioning the candy and all that, that's that fullness in your mouth, right? Uh, that makes it kind of a bigger, richer experience versus, you know, something really thin and watery, you know, yeah. part of the, part of the trick of a cocktail is, you know, to, to give some, some body to it. And, uh, right. you know, it, the, the, the thing you do on a lemon drop is, you know, more sugar, uh, different types of sugar, things like that. Okay. I mean, it's an orange juice. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it is a, a, a lot like like building a beer in a way. Uh, and this takes me back to our last Dr. Homber show when I was talking to the guys about uh, about cocktails and, and how you sort of you need something in that mid palate to sort of squeeze you on through. Otherwise, it's an alcohol bomb or a citrus bomb. And you can't you can't have that. We were drinking a, a porter that I felt needed just some zhuzh, just a little bit of right there in the bottom. Um, and it didn't have it, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. So when you go to build something like this, do you go out to bars and order lemon drops? Do you have people make them for you? What, how do you get, how do you land at a lemon drop for your, for, for this thing? So when we first started, uh, you know, serving, you know, cocktails and stuff, you know, we're, we're blessed with a tap room where we can serve cocktails and, um, you know, we tested, you know, customers, I brought in groups. I, you know, we, you know, it's back before the pandemic. So we could, you know, <laughs> right. go through the, 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 the beer side and say, Hey, yeah. come on over and taste some cocktails. And I was never and there then, for that. Uh, Were you ever there for that, Teresa? I don't know. <laughs> and we would No, I totally missed that. <laughs> we do a lot of experimentation. I'm sure Jamil's and, gotten uh, shit for yeah, this. We kind of dial things in. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, you know, uh, you, you know, Malcolm, right? Uh, maybe. Uh, used to do customer service at more beer, but he is no. our head distiller. No, I'd never um, met Malcolm. So he's a, he's a big, uh, cocktail guy. Okay. And so he, he's, you know, done a lot of experimenting and he would give us the cocktails that, you know, he thought we would enjoy. Yeah. And then, you know, um, the weed, and, and they were always good, you know, when he would make a cocktail, but then we'd refine them and polish them against, you know, this slew of people. We would make him stand in there and we'd bring, you know, 100, 200 people by and he'd have to make lemon drops for all these people. And, you know, we did that. With, <laughs> this is why it took two years um, to, you know, kind of perfect, you know, what we were doing. And then, you know, the the work is okay, how do we make this in bulk? Instead of one glass at a time, how do you make, you know, 30 barrels of lemon drop? So, (laughs) uh, you know, part of that is, okay, let's take all the same ingredients and let's scale it up. And, um, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. I mean, we did dump $12,000 worth of uh, ingredients at one point, uh, you know, just... And that was without the alcohol. <laughs> Jamil. Oh, man. You know, so I mean it, 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 it just it just, you know, it's 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 a lot it's like a labor the beer of love side. and labor of work. Yeah. Well, it's a lot like beer too. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they say you can't scale yeah. if you scale 
what is it, something for that's a five-gallon batch up to like a 20? It's not linear. It's even that short of a jump is not linear. You still have to make adjustments to get it to taste the same. I can't imagine right. with a cocktail. I mean, you know, we make cocktails in, in batches sometimes or whatever for parties, but um, it, those that doesn't work either. You're still constantly sort of like sampling and tasting. So I, I can't imagine um, on mm-hmm. that scale with something as as – with with beer, I feel like you're you're sort of I don't know trapped by you've done all you can now it's in the fermenter so you can't really mess with it afterwards. But with a cocktail like this, you can you can still monkey with it uh, before before canning it. Right. Well, with That's... beers, you have a roadmap. I mean, with this, you like you you're making it up. So yeah. your R and D is going to be much deeper. Hey, you know, one of the advantages to cocktails is that, you know, everything's already kind of made already. Um, the, you know, with beer, you you make these ingredients and then you ferment them and then you got to mm-hmm. depend upon the fermentation uh, and then you're pretty much done. Although you can add hops and other, you know, flavorings, but you're pretty much done. Uh, whereas with the cocktails, you could taste each individual ingredient and then you blend them together. So that that helps in a way because uh, you know it's possible to to taste and to say no less of that more of this or you know one of the things that Malcolm and I spent you know weeks or months uh, on was sitting there and it's like I would tell him it's like all right so make the same thing and try you know five different amounts of lemon juice try five different amounts of, you know, uh, you know, sugar, try five different uh, amounts of this, you know, and, and through that process, you know, find the balance. Um, it's a lot of tasting. It's a lot of, you know, if, if you have to be able to tell the difference between, you know, one drop and two drops. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you're not going to be able to dial it in. I think that's the struggle for a lot of people is, you know, you know, they'll, they'll drink something and go, yeah, it's good. And it's like, well, yeah, that's good. But is it, you know, great. You know, you need to yeah. try other, you know, settings across all the ingredients and then you can kind of dial it in and then it tastes great. It it seems like you mm-hmm. you haven't really reset your parameters between beer and wine or beer and, and cocktails rather. You know what I mean? You because you, you you were always constantly like, how do I make this better? How can I improve this? And you're not taking feedback as, oh, this porter is good, or this IPA is good. Well, yeah, but right, how can right. I improve it? How can it be? How can it right. be better? Well, that's very kind of you. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you yeah, paid me. I have the question. Yeah, you, you, get, you to, sent you me. Have so. to, uh, you have to kind of, you know, tweak and adjust and tweak and adjust. Because if you're not, yeah, you know, you're just going to make some okay stuff. If you're if you're fine with okay, then, then that's it. But you know, everything you make, you know, there's stuff we make today that there's there's a few things I think. Oh my God, that's perfect. I can't make that better. You know, we need to, you know, do it just like that. And okay. then, you know, uh, there's other stuff I'm like, yeah, it's really good, but I don't think it's perfect. I think we need to keep tweaking it. And so mm-hmm. we're constantly, uh, you know, I'll tell Andrew, 
Uh, he's our, you know, director of brewing operations now. Um, I tell him, I was like, oh, be prepared because I want to make some tweaks on the water of, you know, this beer or that beer. You know, I want to, uh, you know, start messing with this and that, uh, you know. And what we do is, <clears throat> you know, we'll, we'll do multiple batches where uh, on certain beers we have, you know, a, a couple of batches a week you know, large batches a week being, being brewed. And I'm able to make a little tweak and say, okay, so let's take, you know, you know, five kilos of this hop out and let's replace it with five kilos of this hop in, in something that has, you know, 200 kilos of hops. In it. <laughs> You'd think, Oh, you won't taste that. Oh, nobody knows. And you, and you could, the, most consumers will have no idea. But when you have the opportunity to taste them side by side, you're like, yep, I taste it. That's, that's yeah, different. And but, it's different this way or that way. And you get the, the chance to, to tweak it, you know. But uh, do you really another. taste it or is it because you know you change something? No. So we do a lot of blind uh, uh, triangle tests. Mm-hmm. So I always have them give them to me blind. Okay. And Andrew's always, he's very good about this. It's just like, you know, he has like a triangle, a square, and a circle. He has, okay. you know, one, one, two, three. He has A, F, you know, X. He has, <laughs> you know, weird symbols. Okay. And, he's very detailed know, about yeah. labeling it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, yeah. So uh, I have no idea, you know, I, I've got an idea what the test is. Right, but I I always go into it completely blind. Mm-hmm. But you know, if if I can tell them, it's like, you know, no, these two are are different than this one, and here's the difference. And so I think he's he's come to know that I'm am able to pick that stuff out. And so, you know, it's it's a uh, wouldn't say symbiotic. I would say. <laughs> No, it is a synergistic relationship. Maybe, where, where, sure. You know, uh, you know, where the the tests we're doing mean something. To you know, you. it's not just oh, I like this better because we did it different. Yeah. Um. You know. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'm always I'm always doing it blind, and he doesn't give me any hint. He just drops them on the table and walks away. That's what I do too. That's how I met Terrence. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, you're you're just a tinkerer, anyways. Like you sort of fit futz around with stuff. Um, Are you going to do that with the cocktails? No. Well, yes. Okay. But I don't like tinkering. Really? I like. You, you seem to do it a things. lot. Well, but it's the same thing, oh. isn't it? Well, I mean, you had that that old ratty ass, uh, you know, uh, RV <laughs> that you offed on Justin. <laughs> You have uh, you have a brewery, uh, you know, which is constantly I, I am in need a business of that genius. Shit. I got rid of that RV and gave it to Justin. Huh? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm look. I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying um, I've seen it. Uh, I, I saw it before and I saw it after, and it was definitely in better condition before. But I do, I do, th- I yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right in yeah. a way. I I do think almost everything could be better. I don't think very many things are perfect. Yeah. Um, but there are things that are perfect and we need to accept that they are perfect. We need to just enjoy 
perfection. Have you ever the made a perfect is beer? When people cannot recognize perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And perfect's in the eye of the beholder. Right. Sure. When you, when you, you know, when you hold your 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 child, your child's perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Or you know. Well, uh, I think there's there's so many opportunities to put energy into all those things that aren't perfect. You know, you mm-hmm. like right. you you really should just have a line. It doesn't it doesn't have to be perfect, but if it's above the line, you're not going to worry about it anymore. If it's below the line, that's you got to get those things oh. to get up to the line. Well, all right. So, <laughs> right, I agree with you. There is a line <laughs> where it, I will serve stuff in our tap room. I will sell send stuff out for sale. It needs mm-hmm. to meet my my line of you know. I think this is acceptable. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, that does not absolve it from the need to be perfect. What I tend to do is kick in the butt all the things that are really you know the, whatever's the lowest thing. It's like uh, trying to spin plates or whatever. You're trying to keep all of them up to perfection. <laughs> and so yeah. you're constantly checking everything and going like, oh, this one's falling off. And so you start kicking that one in the butt. And then, you know, you you, you constantly are trying to rise everything to perfection. And, you know, every once in a while, something is perfect. Don't, you know, but more often than not, most things are not perfect. They could be close to perfect, whatever. Um, and you know, the whole Japanese thing about, you know, the perfection being, you know, beauty being, you know, uh, something, you know, in the, in the small flaws of something, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, th- I think there's some truth to that. Yeah. You know, I find things. Sounds like um, bullshit to me. I like, you know, I, well, you know, uh, and, and, and here's a good example <laughs> is, uh, you know, a, a great British Cascale. Uh, you know, or so you know, it has a slight bit of butteriness to the to the background, mm-hmm. uh, not not bold, but just a, 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 a touch in the background. Um, is that perfect? Uh, yeah, because that little bit, you know, if if it was all oh, perfect fermentation, didn't have any diacetyl whatsoever, it's like <laughs> the thing would be insipid. You know, yeah. it takes it that would little be, bit. It'd be boring, to, right? It takes that little bit to add a fullness and a smoothness to it, and 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 some flavor. And so, that's one of the you know the the values of having something that is uh, you know less than perfect. If you had perfect fermentation or whatever, right? Okay. I mean, look, man, whatever. You're the expert. What do I know? <laughs> uh, I want to take a quick break. Right. Um, okay. Because we're going to get another cocktail here. We're going to talk a little bit more about cocktails and, and beers in general and blending stuff and flavors and, and uh, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So hang on, everybody. It's the session. We're talking with Jamil from Heretic, of course. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. Yes! Yes! 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're still hanging out here with Jamil and Teresa. We're chatting about cocktails. And uh, what I want to do is bust open this Moscow Mule because yeah. um, this was the first My favorite. example of a, of a, of a, of a heretic uh, cocktail in a can. And I, I was honestly very surprised because, you know, I was talking during the break with some people on the Facebook chat. Um, Moscow Mules are good. They're, they're, they're probably a, the, one of the more refreshing cocktails that you can get, right? But it depends on who makes them. And then, like I said, I realize that's the most obvious statement in the world for a dumbass to make. But it is really true because you can... <laughs> but they're also... If, if you fuck up a Moscow Mule, it's still drinkable because it's a bunch of ginger beer, right? But it, mm-hmm. it, it's so... I don't know. It sort of does have a lot of like leeway in, in, in how it's made. But if you get a perfectly balanced... Moscow Mule, those are hard to forget. And uh, yeah, I, I opened this man uh, the other night and poured over ice and gave half to my wife. And I was like, damn, give me that back. This is very, very good. It's a very good <laughs> Moscow Mule. It's 10%. Um, so yeah, chat with me a little bit about this, Jamil. How did you uh, how did you land on the recipe for the old Moscow Mule? Is this another Malcolm issue? Well, it was tough because um, the first thing we did was start with a bunch of different uh, uh, <coughs> ginger beers. Yep. I mean, we made it, you know, yeah, all these cocktails are made from making one cocktail and making it great, you know, working that. And that yeah. took months. And then once we had a cocktail that everybody agreed was like the best Moscow meal we could make, then the process comes of, okay, how do we do this in bulk? And, you know, you can't get like a shaker and you know, make a Moscow <laughs> mule and pour it in the, so, in the fermenter. A seven-barrel shaker. Yeah, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah one cocktail at a time. Um, so part of it was kind of deconstructing what all the ingredients were of the ginger beer because the various ginger beers, it was just impossible to get in bulk uh the ones that we liked and so we started deconstructing what a great ginger beer is and uh we we started with that and worked on that because we had the rest the rest of the stuff was easily repeatable it was the same uh lime juice it was the same vodka it was you know everything was the same it was just this ginger beer and so we started breaking down how to make a great ginger beer. And then, so this is one of those things where we actually uh, take a kettle, we make our ginger broth, you know, and Mm. we experimented for months on the, how to make the ginger broth. So there are, uh, I, I will tell you, I won't give you, Counter to my beer information, I won't tell you a whole lot about how we do this. Why? One of the things that you need to to do on the on the ginger broth is you need to experiment with the concentration, the the ratio of ginger to water, the temperature of the water, the time, and um, yeah, there's just a number of things that you need to experiment with. Why are you being in order so? To get, because the, the flavor changes. Uh-huh. When you're trying to extract ginger into water, you get uh, you can get something really bitter and biting. You can get something smooth and sweet. 
you can get something without any real ginger aroma. You can get things with, you know, better ginger flavor. There's a lot of parameters that go into extracting ginger. And I think that that's one of the things when you find a great ginger beer, mm-hmm. it's one of the things that they have figured out. It's like, oh, wait, you know, this is how you extract ginger. Yeah. Uh, it's shocking how different, uh, you know, just uh, time, uh, concentration, uh, you know, the amount of ginger to water, it's, it's a huge factor in what kind of flavor you get out of it. I love that you're being very coy suddenly. <laughs> You know, I love that That's very me. much. And then also at the same time, um, you know, it, it's annoying. <laughs> well, we used to make ginger beer um, as a soda in the tap room. Yeah. And it is, it's involved. I mean, we we used to make root beer. We used to make uh, ginger beer and ginger beer. While I love it, I, I, I'm not sure I would make too much of it unless I was aiming to do something like what Jamil is doing. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's that much work. Yeah. No, thanks, man. For me, the best ginger beers are punch you in your kneecaps, ginger spicy. Oh yeah. Super spicy. Yeah. Where it almost just flare. It makes your nostrils flare inadvertently where it's like, Oh yeah, this is very powerful. Like it's almost like, you can you can channel the medicinal properties of the ancient Chinese, you know, herbalists and shit like that. Where you're like, oh, oh my god, I have no more gout. Like this is because it smells so like powerful. Um, because they're, I don't know. That's that's what I like. I like that punchy, that punchiness. Mm-hmm. Which right, the Moscow right. Mule has a little bit, but it, it. I guess that's part of the reason that struck me about why this cocktail to me is so good is because you get that, and then quickly it sort of it sort of cleaves off, and it's you know smooths out mm. with, with the rest of the, the the product. So it's not overpowering, um, which is with any sort of compilation of, of ingredients, it's not what you want. You want everything to you kind of complement, but there are some things that can poke out in cocktails that I don't think can poke out in beers. And correct me if I'm wrong, like, and I'm not talking IPA where it's like, this is the point, right? Is to have this big spike in hot flavor, but you're talking American stout. Maybe you can have a little bit of the roasted, like, well, you have to have some of the roasted quality poke out a little bit, but for the most part, it's smooth. But some cocktails are like, you know, focused on, on the ginger, like, bam, this is, it's a Moscow mule. It has ginger in it. That's just the thing. Um, do you find that cocktails can sort of have that, like, more forgiveness, than beer styles can? I don't know. I I think you want in everything, almost everything, is you want bold but balanced, right? Yeah. I think that's the way beers drink well. I think that's the way that foods, you know, eat and cocktails drink. And, you know, you want uh, some bold flavors in there, but you want it all to balance out in the end to where you can, you know, easily, you know, or or you, you want to finish the rest of, you know, what it is you're consuming. So yeah. I think, you know, balance is huge, but you, I, I think more and more we want a little bit of boldness and stuff. It's like you're talking about the the Greek recipe book. It's like it was, I'm sure it was all really good. It's just, you want some some bold, you know. You got to have something. Boldness to it, yeah. some spikiness to it, you know, and then balanced out into the finish. You know, you can have something like a... Um, 
you know, a, a spicy curry that is very bold and it's got some, you know, some real, you know, punch and heat to it, but it's got balancing. It's got, you know, a little cooling or creamy on the back. Maybe they've used some, some coconut, uh, you know, to kind of, you know, give that, that background to, to take away some of the heat. And, uh, you know, by the time you're finished with it, you know, you go, Ooh, you know, but you know, it's, it's, it's finished. It's finished just right. You know? Yeah. But I, I, I think everything we consume should be that way. I agree too. Like it's a journey. Like you come back to, you come back to a, a place that is fulfilling instead of just being left out and spicy or, Land or yeah, too sharp or what have you. Locally sourced ginger. Is, is there a big ginger field in Fairfield? <laughs> I'm just making fun of you. I like it. I think it's a really good drink, man. Yeah, as much as possible, we're trying to locally source um, ingredients. You know, uh, you know, sometimes it, it's just difficult. Um, other times, you know. Uh, you know, you find a good source like uh, our friend Rich, Teresa, uh, you know, Thundering Thunder yeah. Herd Ranch. Uh, you know, they, they've got great mandarin oranges. I mean, just delicious. He, you know, uh, he dropped off a sack of uh, mandarins and I go through <laughs> a 10-pound sack of mandarins probably in a week. <laughs> Which is very good for your stomach lining, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. For not, me, it's like two days. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they're not. They're not that acidic. I mean, okay, good. They have their yeah. acid to them, but they got a sweetness and just a a full flavored, really great mandarin orange flavor. Not just orange flavor, but mandarin orange flavor. Yeah. They're the best. Yeah, I I think that they, they are. are just amazing. And so, um, you know, really, you know, we we could buy, we've had people approach us for, it's like, Hey, we can get you Mandarin juice cheaper and, you know, we can sell it to you frozen year round. And people have asked us, yeah. can you make the Mandarin IPA year round? I'm like, no. So <laughs> the one time that rich can squeeze the, the Mandarins for us. Yeah. And that's when yeah. we make it. And how much can we make? We can make as much as man- rich can squeeze and that's it. You know? And so, uh, you know, because, I wouldn't accept anything else that, you know, they, it's, it's just, it's perfect. Right. It's, and it, you know, it's one of totally. the, you know, we're, we're very lucky here, you know, locally sourced means, you know, great mandarins, great apples, great uh, pears, great, uh, you know, so many things yeah. here in California is, you know, it's one of those great agricultural areas. So. I think uh, you know locally sourced uh, can be can be fantastic. Now, I think you can carry that too far, and then you're <laughs> just stupid for getting locally sourced. You need really great stuff yeah. that's like trucked for five hours or whatever. You know, because you you can sort of pigeon yeah. your whole self, pigeon yourself also. You know, right. pigeonhole yourself is what I. Wow, it took me honestly three times to get right. Right in the pigeon. <laughs> fucking cocktails, yeah. Yes, us breweries still love or, our Oregon fruit, even though we can get locally sourced mandarins. Yeah. We can't get locally sourced guava and pineapple. And- no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, if somebody was growing guava here, it's like, well, you know. Eh, eh. Well, it's all supporting <laughs> the local economy, man. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Well, I like that, man. That's it's, uh, It was very good. All right, so we have two left. 
the staycation and the sip. Which uh, one goes? Which one goes next, man? Uh, go staycation. Staycation. This one I have not had. I've not had this one yet because Brad failed to purchase this when he was there. Um, damn, Brad. Do I shake these? Uh, well, uh, that's another interesting thing. Is, Thank you. Uh, you can shake them. Okay. Um, there might be a slight bit of settling because, you know, again, you're using real fruit and stuff. We try to uh, prevent that from, you know, huge settling from happening. Yeah. Um, but, you know, anytime you're using real, real fruit and stuff, you're going to get a little bit of settling. So, um, quick question from the chat. Uh, do you distribute to Minnesota? We don't currently, but if you have like a great distributor that, uh, you know, wants our brand, we'll be happy to do so. Okay, perfect. Well, there you go. John from Facebook. All right. Staycation. Tell me about this. This canned cocktail, please. Oh, shit. I opened the... I op- Okay, here's a quick question. I opened the room temperature one. I have a cold one in, the, in my, uh, you know, my desktop fridge here. Is it going to matter too much, do you think? It'll melt the ice a little bit more, which... Um, I don't have any ice. So one of the things is, you know, most cocktail stuff, it's... it's um, uh, I think you're okay with you know the room temperature one because we yeah. we have to deal with people pouring it you know or drinking it. There's people who drink these straight from the cans. <laughs> and I, oh my gosh! Of course says, they do. Yeah. It says right on the can. They're in their boats. They don't have a glass. That's going to be me in right four years, can, dude. You yeah. know, pour over ice, blend yeah. with ice, <laughs> and all that stuff. Because it yeah. needs a little bit of dilution. It needs a little, you know, we, we're we're planning on these being with ice, which is traditional for a lot of cocktails, right? Even cocktails that are served without ice are generally shaken over ice and then strained <laughs> out and served without the ice. So, you, and that's one of the reasons that it's 14% or 15% or, you know. Yeah, this is 15, the Caribbean, uh, right. uh, the staycation. Because you should, you know, include ice. So yeah. serving a warm over ice, I think that's a good thing because it'll, you know, uh, dilute it down. Yeah. Uh, so this is, you know, a ton of pineapple and, yes. uh, you know, ton. orange and uh, a little bit of passion fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it hits you. It hits you right off the right off the bat, man. It's almost as powerful as like when you when you, uh, you know, smell a, a soda that has these sort of tropical flavors in it. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way, not in an artificial way, because if, you know, a, a lot of those that are imported in the States sort of smell good. Fake, they don't smell fake, fake. Yeah. But they smell yeah. good. They have that aroma that's like just programmed in. And that's sort of what I got out of this too. It is, it, it, it's very powerful in mm-hmm. the nose. Like, wow, this is very that tropical. fruitiness is in the flavor too. Mm-hmm. Which I think is the important part. Caribbean. So with this amount of alcohol, you don't have to. You don't have to do any like Driving? pasteurization, do you? <laughs> or do you? Uh, we, we do. Um, you do. So, right. So uh, yeah, we 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 essentially pasteurize all the ingredients that need to be pasteurized. Uh, but we don't pasteurize mm-hmm. everything. So some of the things we work with are already aseptic, you know, you, you know, Oregon fruit. Yeah. And all. Um, so uh, you're right. 
we we pasteurize essentially the main thing is the sugar so granulated sugar is what we work with we don't we don't we're not big enough to get syrups i've been getting quotes on truckloads of sugar (laughs) (laughs) and we're we're still we're still uh you know uh getting us from our smart and final down the road oh wow oh my gosh they will order us pallets of sugar and we drive down there. They come off the truck and go in our van and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you want. Uh, so they're <laughs> very nice. Funny. That's very smart. I just went to smart the other day for a bunch of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, you know, but any, anytime something's uh, granulated or dusted or whatever, uh, there's bacteria in it. You have to be careful. Um, mm. It won't cause that product itself to go off because there's so low moisture in like granulated sugar. Um, it's mm. like honey, right? Uh, honey doesn't go bad generally because uh, the osmotic uh, you know, gradient is too great. Um, sure. And same thing with sugar. Bacteria lands on it. It sucks the moisture out of the bacteria and kills it. And so mm-hmm. sugar mm. is generally safe. But if you were to take that and, you know, dilute it down, uh, you know, room temperature, you'd probably get uh, bacteria growth. So we uh, will pasteurize the sugar, the water. We'll, we'll mix hot water with the granulated sugar. Um, <clears throat> and then if there's any other ingredient that's going in that needs pasteurization like that, we'll add that at that time. And then we cool that down. And then we... Uh, add our other cocktail ingredients. I mean, one of the weird things like this, the staycation, um, I, I think it would be better if we were to make our own grenadine from base ingredients, because I think we mm-hmm. can make a better grenadine than the grenadine we're purchasing. Okay. But again, the TTB, they want us to use grenadine in this uh, uh, Caribbean sunrise. It has to have grenadine. Even you know, so, you can't make your own, which because it's just it's I, simple I think, syrup. I think what we should do is just make yeah, right. It's we, simple syrup and pomegranate so, juice. Yeah, that's, you need to that's, make your grenadine. That's what that grenadine is. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Because I think we can make a better grenadine than we're buying, uh, but we are buying, and the the grenadine people will not sell it to us in bigger than seven hundred and fifty mil bottles. Ugh. So we get pallets. No. Of 750 mil bottles. What a waste. And we stand there for hours pouring grenadine into, yeah. into the fermenter. <laughs> me too, honestly. I do this a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Teresa's right. And that sort of brings me, that brings up a good point. Are you going to ever package your own cocktail ingredients? Here's a bottle of grenadine. Here's a bottle of uh, ginger beer. Here's a bottle of whatever. Oh, so people can go do that on their idea. own. Right? It's pretty so, good. That's why I'm good at uh, at uh, kissing. Okay, so I'm not good at anything, but uh, Teresa's really good at uh, the ideas on yeah. Hey, wait, that was my idea. What the fuck? I I literally just had it. Don't give Teresa the credit. You you passed it. I passed it to you. Sure. And you. It was it was a seed from Teresa, but it's just that we've achieved this level of mental. Agility. Yeah, something. JP. Sure, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> no, but uh, no, I, th- I actually think that's a great idea. Well, you're welcome. Teresa and I bless this idea upon you. 
I, I bless uh, so the I idea, but down, I'm worried. I need to write it down. I'm worried that all the money is in the cocktails. I don't want Jamil to to go chasing after dollars that aren't there. You know, I'm worried about mm-hmm. his little brewery. Well, I, I want him to survive. <laughs> that's right. I feel like what you're going to get is you're going to get more of the local market, the the, the local customers coming in and huh. and buying it. You're, I I don't you're think right. you're ever going to have it at Bevmo or Total Wine or anything like that because there are like simple syrup manufacturers that are you know trying to do this shit too. But if you have the local, you have a really solid local customer base. Um, I think that would be a you know a a, a great way to to sort of. Uh, you know, bypass some of this, so you can make your own grenadine. No, I, for I, example. I think you're 100 percent right. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually wrote it down because. Um, Hell yeah. No, I, I think that there is there is a market for that. I mean, you see yeah. people. I mean, their entire business is just making like tonic. We looked into making our own tonic because we weren't happy with the uh, the the tonics that were available. Um. The problem is you have to control the amount of quinine that is in your tonic and you have to measure it like every batch. You need to know exactly how much quinine is in there. And I, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, the root and or the bark and you're, um, you know, you're, you're trying to extract it, how much did you extract? Hmm. Well, then you got to hmm. test and then you got a dose. And I was like, that is really, and then I figured out a way to do it. I'm just like, that works. All right. So <laughs> I love tonic water. I love gin and tonic. It's one of my it's favorites. Oh, gin and tonics um, are great. Yeah. I'll I'll get you set up with the HPLC method, Jamil. <laughs> All right. Make this work. What is okay. that? What's HPLC? High pressure liquid chromatography or okay. high performance. Okay. Um, anyways, no, but I think the idea of doing our own cocktail ingredients, uh, you know, it's like a, a restaurant doing their own barbecue sauce or something like that, or yeah. salad dressings. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think there's a big market for it. And and yeah. here we've built up a name. I think, um, you know, we could, we could do something with that. Well, I think off the strength of how good your cocktails are, I think you could definitely, you know, go a long way with that. Absolutely. Yeah, this is good, man. The staycation is good for for me. It's it's one of the more stronger tasting drinks that that I think Big, you bold, make. Fruity, tropical. Yeah, well, and it's the first one that really gives you that punch of alcohol, also. Yeah, and sort of almost, and you know, warm with no ice. It is sort of too much. Oh, you had no ice? I, well, no, I have no ice in any of these because I'm in my fucking office. Like, where am I going to keep ice? Right. Um, I don't know. But, I got ice. Yeah. <laughs> well, warm mean, with no ice. Warm with that's no ice. Bad, that's a bad move. Yeah, it is a bad move. <laughs> and I'm trying to still find like, but I'm I'm, bre- I'm exhaling and I'm like, is there any Woo. sort of open flame near These me? These are like, like terrible judging conditions right here. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, I appreciate the kind comments. You should try it again. With ice, all of these with ice. <laughs> uh, well, I still have the forty-nine that you gave me of this particular one. So, yes, I will. I will. I will get you more, brother. <laughs> no, man, I, dude, I got. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, like, I, I would, I would never, and I'm, and I'm not saying this because we're, we're friends, and I'm not saying this because we're on the air. Oh, we're friends. Uh, well, we're friends now? is that what you're saying? Well, I've downgraded you from from boyfriend to friend because I don't see you anymore. Right. Um, is that uh? I would never have really considered drinking cocktails from a can before. A can, right? Yeah, and 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 honestly, because oh. I've I've had some, and and I've had the, um, let's just say I've had some, and I'm not, I don't want <clears> to <throat> drag names, but um, they're not good. 
the ones that right, I've had right, right. are are well, not good. Thing. Like the one that I'm thinking of had, had they have a Bloody Mary one, and I've talked about it on the show. If you really want to find out, you've you'll you already know. Um, and it's like so spicy and so so linear as far as flavor goes in the focus. Like they were trying to make mm. a overspiced Bloody Mary and they did it and mm. it, it turned me off. I can't do it. Right. You got to get the tomato in there. You've got to get a, you know, there's yeah, a lot a that pillowy, needs to happen. Like, right. So, but right. these are, are, are very good. Um, you definitely put a lot of effort into them and um, I would 100% purchase more next time uh, I send Brad up there to get me beer. <laughs> well, and you know, I think you know that's that's part of it is, um, yeah. you know, you're looking for those flavors. You're looking for the, you know, you're you're trying to make a, a good experience in a can. And you know, yeah. if, if if we go back just a few years, people were poo pooing the idea of craft beer in a can, and True. you know, because you couldn't get great craft beer in a can, you got crap beer in a can. Whoa! And so, which is a huge burden. Uh, you know, with a, with a little bit of time and a little bit of, of effort, then now we're putting great craft beer in cans. Yeah. And, you know, the same thing's true with cocktails. I think, you know, there's just been some bad examples out there. And now, you know, you, you let loose a bunch of these creative bastards out there, you know, <laughs> that are going to do some really crazy, crazy stuff and make some really great cocktails in cans. So uh, I think it's just a matter of time. And I, I sort of feel like it it is born from craft beer. And yeah. and I wonder if it is because um you know, no matter what your brewery I mean, you make a ton of styles at the brewery. Mm-hmm. But I think at some point, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, or don't because it make me feel good, but uh, it, no matter how many styles you make, you, you I think you still feel handcuffed in a certain aspect because you're just making beer. You're making different gradients of beer. But canning cocktails is a whole different creative process for you and for anybody. And so I feel like people getting into this avenue, it, it sort of speaks of like we have other, we have, uh, you know, different uh, uh, backgrounds and experiences and flavors. Let's let's see what else we can do. Let's sort of stretch out from the the craft beer world and, and uh, you know, see if we can shake up another market. Well, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, see, part of it was... I'm right. You know, just people ask me, they're like, well, why are you opening a distillery? You don't have enough to do? It's like, well, yeah, I got <laughs> enough to do, but I love, you know, pursuing the, you know, the, the, you know, the challenge of, you know, more flavors, more, you know, it's more ingredients to work with. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Well, and, you know, any customer that wanders into your place, they always want to have something new and different. And there's tons of people who end up in breweries who don't really like beer. So, you know, we've been trying to make beers for people who don't like beer. Now we're making seltzers for people who don't like beer. Like if I could easily make cocktails for people who don't like beer, (laughs) that's just a, that's a bigger endeavor than I can undertake right now. But I mean, that would be... Well, that's awesome, Teresa. That I mean, I think that's a good point. Is because we've talked a lot about on this show, in particular, about breweries making beers for people who don't necessarily like beers, and you sort of like tailor mm-hmm. it to beers. Or you know, we've all had we've all had beers from breweries who make solid beers, but there's one or two beers that seem to sort of hit the middle ground of a style, be it an amber ale or a pale ale or whatever. Not yep. too offensive, not too whatever. But do you think that in your case, making a seltzer? 
to f- would would free up that sort of like focus on making beer for everybody and then just making beer that you want to make is that a is that a, well, is that a thought mean, or we we always make beer that we want to make yeah but you know but what i mean yeah it's like yeah making the making the seltzer though i mean honestly i would i would bag on the seltzer more if i didn't enjoy it as much as i do like i i, I, I actually like really i kind of like it in the summer yeah i love a glass full of ice and a seltzer i think that's super the only good. the only craft seltzer I've had I haven't had yours yet um, is the Twenty First mm-hmm. Amendment seltzer under the the Soma brand. Um, oh yeah, which is in the Safeway. It's very good. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot like what we're talking about. It's those lighter flavors that don't taste artificial. Um, yeah. and it's like it is. I I I I shit all over seltzers before I had one, and I'm like, I get it. And it's not my favorite thing. Yeah. But now I, I, at least I understand why what the draw is. It's something different for people, and I think that's also why people like you, Teresa, and you, Jamil, are making different shit now. It's, it's not that it's popular or you like to drink it or whatever. It's that it is a different thing to do. It's just different. Well, I, I think the thing is not to necessarily make something different, but if you are experimenting with something different, to make the best that you can do. Hmm. And mm-hmm. instead of just trying to slap out some crap, you know, seltzer, you know, make yeah. a make a real craft seltzer. Use real fruit, you know. Do do the right thing and make yeah. make something that's you know, uh, you know, worthy of of the cause. You know, <laughs> yeah. the same thing about you know all the other beers and cocktails and everything else. You know, it, it's you know, because it's not about oh making something that somebody will buy some something somebody yeah. will drink i mean sure it is to stay in business but you know it's better to go out of business than it is to just sell your soul for making crap mm-hmm. so yeah. what you're what what you need to do is you know be true to yourself and to your heart and to what what you're saying is this is, you know, the, the, the craft that I apply. This is my, you know, this is, this is my, my star. This is, this is how I do my, my, you know, uh, how I live my life. And, and if you're doing that, it doesn't matter what you're doing or what you're, what you're making. If you're making uh, little cutouts to sell on Etsy or you're making <laughs> seltzer or you're, you know. Have a Disneyland uh, podcast. Know, making, making candles out of, you know, uh, uh, something or, you know, whatever you're doing, you're growing mandarins up on the, on the hill or you're, uh, you know, uh, I just, uh, met uh, somebody who's making uh, honey locally, you know, if you are, you know, the the farmer that takes our grain and, you know, these people that I'm dealing with, they, you know, love, you know, what they're doing and they really, are focused on, well, I'm going to make the best. I'm going to make, yeah. you know, uh, you know, that's the important part. And whether you are or not, if, if your focus is in being, uh, you know, you know, true to, uh, you know, providing something that is wonderful. And if you fail at it, it's okay. <laughs> that's <should be laughs> your goal, right? You know, it's like the Brewing Network clearly fails at providing the best, best, uh, beer radio, but 
that absolutely tries. Absolutely tries. Yep. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> um, let's take a real quick break, everybody, and we're going to come back. We'll wrap it up. I have another cocktail to drink, and uh, I want to talk to Jamil real fast about, uh, you know, in general terms, uh, how everything's going over in Heretic with with COVID and, and all that kind of fun stuff because we got we to gotta throw it in there every now and then. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, it's the session, everybody. Hang on. We'll be right back. All right, welcome everybody. Thanks for hanging around. We're just about to wrap things up here with our close personal handsome friend Jamil from Heretic, of course. And I'm cracking open the last of the canned cocktail line, the sip or shelter in place, you guys. It's very clever. It's very clever. I'm gonna sip on this. So this one I think says shake. Yeah, it says shake, but I didn't shake it. Again, I had this the other night uh, in the hot tub, and uh, I was like reading the can. I was like, oh, fuck, I was supposed to shake it. Well, shake with ice. Oh, okay. All right, put it in a shaker and then shake it. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't do that. It still don't have ice, but at least I opened the cold one. Ice, ice where JP is is really limited. It really uh, is, know. man. All my freezers uh, are stocked with, with food. Yeah. Um, deepest, darkest Africa, there is no ice. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, tell me about the sip, please. Botanical so, gin. Let's go. Yeah, so uh, we make uh, three different gins. Actually, we've made like uh, many different gins. Um why does it look brown? Uh, I, I, I realize that my color's off. It definitely is not brown. It is a a very um, deep shade of pink. Yes. Yeah. But hmm. yeah, on the screen um, it does look brown. It is not brown at all. It does look brown. Yeah. It looks sorry. like amber ale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah <like whiskey. laughs> no. Uh, so um, we make uh, multiple kinds of gins, uh, and one of them is kind of our botanical herbal gin Mm -hmm. and then uh so what this is is a gin gimlet which is a gin with lime and uh uh so this is uh gin uh blackberry uh lavender and lime Mm. okay interesting i get all of those flavors which is which is which is not common in a cocktail, honestly, because I think well, you, you you get the the floral up front. Yes. Then you get the the blackberry. You get the blackberry much more bold in the flavor. Mm-hmm. A little bit of lime, but in I mean the background kind of tightening it up, give it a citrus and a and a little bit of backing bitter. Yeah. Well, I definitely at the end that, that definitely cleans it up, and that's what I mean. You know, in general, cocktails you don't really. Some aren't really made to 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 stand out like this, but I feel like in this one, everything works really well. It sort of like oozes from one flavor to the next in like a cascading kind of thing, and I I like that. I appreciate it because the, the main word a transition for, for my employees is ooze. Yes. <laughs> well, look, man, I'm I'm what you call a marketer, so uh, you know. 
I'm a wordsmith. I'm a marketer. Like, this is what I do, man. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I'm really good at it. It's very dark, very uh, rich. Um, but yeah, the, the the flavors are there. It's it's very easy drinking, fifteen percent right. too. So I mean, this is a on the and the gin comes wine. through. You get that, uh, you know. If you don't like gin, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> a lot of people <coughs> who don't like gin or who haven't, you know, yeah, uh, haven't really experienced gin. They they'll taste something. Like, oh, okay. I get what gin is. Once the gin is kind of, you know. Uh, balanced out with some other things. If you try and yeah. drink gin straight, no, uh, it's it's an acquired yeah, taste. No. Yeah, masochist. Gin tonic do that. is great, but you gotta yeah. like gin for know? sure. You and gotta like tonic. Yeah, well, the, the the and what turned me on to gin was going to NHC so many times because eventually you're like, I am so fed up with beer, I need yeah. something to completely. <laughs> Um, you know, demolish my taste buds and get all of this malt off. And gin yeah. and tonic will do that. And so that is my 100%. If I'm done drinking beer, give me a gin and tonic and just keep them coming until I throw up on you. Have I well, given you like, three gins? Have I done? Um, I th- I thought I gave you our three gins. Maybe, maybe I think not. we did at one point when, when um, we had you guys on um, Heads and Tails with Warren and I. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you I go. I guess. <laughs> yeah. But it was like two yeah, years I like, ago. I Warren. feel like beer people. Yeah. Fuck Warren. He never responds <laughs> to my text with the, about the show. He's gone. Yeah, Warren should, Warren should have been on the show. I agree. I'll hear from him in two <laughs> he has weeks. inside knowledge. I'll hear from him in two weeks. Oh, sorry. I'm just picking this up now. <laughs> A lot of good that does me. I don't care. Right. Whatever. I actually, I'm envying Warren's life right now. The vagabond lifestyle. Yeah, I guess, man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you have to have the beard, though. You really do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'll I, never I have think, that beard. I don't know. I, th- I think you could rock that beard. Probably better than Warren does. Stating the obvious. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I knew I could. I just, you know. He, could he have this hair? That's what I want to know. No. I'm actually. He's probably, probably bald as an egg easily. in another three years. I, I, I would love to see Warren in dreads. I would love to see Warren having dreads. I think that would be the most humorous thing I could think of. Mm. Dreads that's just in, so much dreads hair. in his beard, though. Well, no, see, dreads. yeah, well, that's true. His beard dreads. I don't see that oh, man. Beard is, dreads. Yes, uh, right before he cuts his beard. I don't know when. So when Warren came to visit me, he's visited me a few times at the brewery. But one day we were canning. Okay. And if Warren, being who he is, immediately jumped in and was like helping out on the canning line, like packing yeah. off. But he was like gross right in front of the conveyor. Right, he's packing off. And in front the of mom and me was just like, "Oh my <laughs> god, the beard! Like the beard!" I have is no like sense right of common decency. Oh yeah. Well, and I mean, I I know he's got that covered, but I was just like, "Oh no. my god." Well, see, the thing about it's Warren so is scary. he probably had no idea it was right next to the conveyor. I'm sure he knew. Warren I, is he, like I, Warren is like he a has, like he's like the Mr. Magoo in the brewing of the brewing world, where he just stumbles into shit and it nothing kills him or hurts him, but almost. <laughs> he's got a he's got a, a sixth sense or a seventh sense a fourth a sense. sense yeah maybe it's like his tentacles so he can feel what's going on <laughs> that's right his testicles yeah, yeah. yeah he's the cthulhu I, in the beard I, I gotta say i, I don't love, know anything about his testicles <laughs> they're very oh, small sure, sure. Yeah, they're very tiny <laughs> I, I love one. no really 
Lawrence, Lawrence is the best to work with. I, he, 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 he came back after he did his stint at uh, uh, Los Alamos or Los Gatos or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he came here and did like six months in the distillery. Uh, and it was, there, there was a moment where we, uh, oh, we've worked together a few times during that, but, uh, the boiler went down one day and he and I were there, you know, working through what all the problems were. And, and it was, I, I turned to him, I said, it's so good to work with you again. <laughs> it's nice. Cause he has the same kind of weird mentality I do as, you know, solving problems. So uh, yeah. I love the guy. He's, good. Yeah. Well, someone has to, man. The best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he's speaking weird as fuck, but he's the best. Yeah. That's right. Well, speaking of the <laughs> brewery, Jamil, how's how's everything going with uh, with COVID? I know right now in California, most of us are shut down, but you guys aren't, right? Your county's open, <laughs> right? So, so uh, through the wisdom of the state of California, they grouped uh, California into five regions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Solano County is in uh, is in uh, uh, the Bay Area region, and uh, the Bay Area region, once being grouped, decided, oh my God, uh, Santa Clara and uh, uh, wherever was uh, really becoming quite uh, close to the fifteen percent. I think they got down to twenty, and uh, uh, so they decided to shut down. You know, they they had a, like a meeting of the six counties, and uh, they're just like, we're we're closing down, even though some of us are at thirty five, fifty percent, you know, whatever percentage, we're closing down. <clears throat> and Solano was like, we're at thirty five percent, so we're good. <laughs> decided not to participate, so we're still open <laughs> because of that. Wow. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting place that we're in with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, more blue collar, a lot of military and, uh, you know, folks that, uh, you know, they will follow rules and they will, um, you know, do what needs to be done, you know, good people. Um, so, you know, if the rules are telling them whatever the rules are, they'll follow those rules. But, uh, you know, they also, uh, you know, they're, the, the, the pretty solid folk and I yeah. think, you know. Here's what I love about people in the military, most of them anyway, is you're right, they will follow the rules and they'll do whatever's asked of them, but they will fucking talk shit about those rules to, to the fucking cows come home, right? And it's because they, they have these solid opinions. Everybody in the military I've ever yeah. met, if you, if you get them going, they have very specific and loud opinions about the mechanics of the things that they work in the rules yes. that they have to follow and whatever. Oh, absolutely. And there's sort of, there's sort of a, like a, a, it is, a cool thing about that. It's like you can complain all you want, but you're still going to follow them. And until the rules change, you know, then that's just that's what right. it is. It's, it's the right of the enlisted to complain about, <laughs> right. you know, what, you know, what, what the rules are, yeah. but you know, they'll also go out and, and, you know, uh, fight for, you know, everybody else. So sure. they'll, they'll, they'll go out and risk their lives to, uh, you know, save, uh, you know, the country that we love. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing that, yeah. uh, those folks. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a different County in that way. And so I think the County was just like, yeah, we're good. 
uh, we're, we're, we're not going to do it. Keep doing what we're doing. How do you so feel about that? We're 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 down to uh, just outdoor only. And, okay. You know, I think with a good breeze and you know minimal people at a table and separation between the tables, I think it's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know what? Whatever it is, whatever whatever the rules are, we will follow. Um, and you know, Teresa and I were talking about how. Uh, I, I mentioned my my friend Jason at True Symmetry. <laughs> that we we came across was when somebody comes to drink at your place, they will have you know one, two, maybe three pints, and you know then they're done, they're good, and then we'll go home. And then uh, you know if somebody comes down and they can't drink that, and it's to go only, they will buy a case. And then they'll buy a growler and then maybe a six pack of that and a four pack of that. And they'll take that all home and they will pretty much drink all that in two days. Wow. And so they, they will, they will drink so much more and buy so much more if it was to go only, uh, that, uh, being open to a really limited amount of, uh, space doesn't really help us, but you know, yeah, people, people, People need a place to go. They need a place to get out of the house. And so, uh, you know, for a lot of people, it is going down and just having a pint. Even if it's by themselves, 12 feet away from anybody else, mask on most of the time, except when they're taking a sip of a beer. Um, <clears throat> it, it really mentally helps a lot of people. So I think, uh, you know, just just in general, I think, uh, you know, being there for them, it's, it's fine, even if, I think it's better to, you know, and a lot less labor to just do, to go only. It's fine. You're okay with everything. I'll do whatever, whatever you need me to do to help, <laughs> uh, you know, people in our yeah. community do well. Yeah. I'll do. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Otherwise, why, <laughs> why do anything? Right. You know, as you're being right. a piece of crap. i mean i imagine you're not getting a lot of people griping at your staff about the mask policy and you know it's it's all over the internet where a lot of places especially i don't want to call any region out but i'm going to like the midwest there's a lot of reports online about people just sort of being dickheads to servers and people who are making minimum wage plus tips you know like they have to feed their families and these people are bitching at them because they're forced to wear a mask it's like it's not it's not these people's fault. So zero, I imagine zero, you don't get any of that because zero, of the zero complaints. Yeah. That's good. Um, that's good. Know, to we've hear. had a couple of people come in going like, I forgot my mask. I lost my mask. My mask is in my car. Yeah. And we have some, some masks for those people. Oh, good. But uh, nice. yeah. Um, no, in general, people are very respectful. Again, like I said, this, where we're located. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more blue collar. It's more, you know, uh, they understand and they're, they're willing to, you know, help a brother out. They're willing to, you know, follow along, you know, if, if, if that's what, if that's what you want, that's what you want. And you don't get, I think, you know, you get self-entitled people elsewhere. You know, you don't get them here. There's there's very few self-entitled people around. That must be great, man. Well, I live pretty far away, so you're probably right Right. about that. I mean, Uh, I would consider you the cutoff. (laughs) That's right on the bar. (laughs) You know, right. Yeah. (laughs) There, clearly, you have the problem. Uh, Oh, that's true. No, I walk around like I own this fucking house. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so when you uh, have you had to pivot at all, or how how how's have you had to adjust your business model? I imagine you have. Has that has that impacted you at all? As far as as far as whoa, we have a drop in in people incoming. Are you do you have to expand more to distribution, or how do you sort of rebound from all this and and stay afloat? Yeah, it, it's it's been nuts. So the the first thing that happened was draft sales went away overnight. <laughs> oh yeah, which I imagine is a giant part of your your business. I mean, right. every time I go and, there, know. that place is packed. We're waiting for tables. Well, I'm having many- to wait for a fucking table. In my own place, no. <laughs> not not even that. It's you know in distribution, the tap room, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. is, is one thing which is really important important to us. But the um, you know uh, we distribute a lot of draft beer and a lot of package beer, uh, and we immediately lost a giant portion of our business. Now, package beer increased. You know, people buying. Uh, 10, 10 cases of toilet paper and, you know, two <laughs> cases of beer, um, you know, it, it, it went through the roof. But the problem with that is the margins on packaged beer, bottles and cans is much lower than it is on draft. So uh, we kept making the same amount of beer, but it shifted from a draft model to a package model. So we were selling the same amount of beer, but our, and our gross dollars went up, but our profits were, were, were not as good. And then the, the tap room went from, you know, probably lost about half of our tap, tap room revenue, which is, which wow. is huge to us. So um, overall, yeah, it, it was a, it was a huge hit. Uh, we were able to keep all the brewery people employed um, the tap room staff, uh, you know, uh, most people got their hours cut, sure. um, you know, sure. partially because we changed our open hours and we we're just two to eight every day of the week um, instead of what we we're doing before. And so they got their hours cut because of that. They got hours cut because instead of being packed where JP can't get a table. <laughs> Even though he knows me and knows he doesn't need to. I will know. never, I have never thrown your uh, name around and I never will. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Oh, man. Because he, he can't pronounce my name. That's well, right. Yeah. Um, Jamel Zane uh, <laughs> uh And they, they just have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, we were talking about how, in a way, it'd be better to just do to go only. But the problem with that is it cuts more labor hours. Um, so what we're trying to do okay. now is just keep as many people employed as, as much as possible. And, um, uh, because as long as it's a break even and we're not, you know, completely shooting ourselves in the foot and collapsing the business where everybody goes out of his, goes out of a job. Yeah. Um, we want to keep, uh, everybody employed and active and, you know, getting money rolling into their pockets so they can survive. So it's really tough for a lot of our a lot of our employees. Damn. Now me here in the high castle, you can see the castle windows behind <laughs> yes, me. Uh-huh, I may yeah. look down upon the small people sure. that work for us. Uh, you know, it's I, everything's fine. Sure, so. you wa- you wave the flag at them to let them know that they can see. <laughs> but you I, but I have heard that that they are suffering. A little bit, so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, when they oh, they still have to tithe to uh, to work there, but you know you've reduced the tithe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's very kind of you, Jamil. 
it is it is uh the least i could do for the small people <laughs> that uh populate and it really is your kingdom the confines yeah. of the heretic brewing lands well yes. i don't know man to me all that shit's super interesting um you know as as maybe tedious by now as it is to talk about or even to listen to i don't know i yeah. just i i always i'm always interested in, in how people react to adversity like this and you know i don't know what i would do um but i think sure. maybe you're sort of like caught up in the machine so much where you have to keep it going no matter what i mean you're not going to just quit yeah you gotta right. you gotta keep chugging along well um, you know it's just so much about like thinking about what you can control versus what you can't and yeah. trying to make the best of what you actually can do something about yeah well i mean you you can walk away but you know, it's not just you. There's 50 yeah. other people that, you know, this is their livelihood. When when it was just me and and Chris and Beardy, <laughs> I could have walked away at any time. <laughs> yeah, fuck those you know? guys. Yeah. You too? Go get another job. <laughs> uh, right. Now it's, 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 it's become something much more serious. And, and yeah. that's that's what keeps me up at night is like, we need to make sure that these people have jobs. We need to make sure that they have good jobs. We yeah. need to make sure that, you know, they're safe. We need to make sure they're not being exposed to COVID. You know, are you stressed? Number of things. Are you stressing are out important. about it? Do you stress out about it? I do. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, these people are very important to me. They, you know, they're more than just, you know, they're not, they're employees. They're, you know, they're family. They really, they've, you know, you, you, you don't hire people to be employees. You don't hire somebody who's like, well, that piece of crap will do. You hire people that you think are great. You hire people yeah. that you think, Oh, I like this person. I think this person is smart. I think this person's hardworking. I think this person will do a great job. I think this person will fit in and be part of our team, right? Be part of the family. And, you know, if if you feel that way about somebody, how can you go about just, you know, blowing them off when something like this happens? You know, especially when, you know, oh, there's people who don't work out, but, you know, the people who have, the people who put their, you know, they're really putting their sweat equity into your business. You owe them something in return. Yeah. You owe them, you know, uh, you know, some measure of, uh, you know, care, some measure of, Hey, you know, I need to keep their paychecks rolling. It's the most important thing in the world to me is to make sure their paychecks are rolling. The very first thing that ever happens with money in this company is paychecks are paid. All the rest of it doesn't matter. You know, our employees get their their check. They can count on that day in, day out, forever. You know, that's that's the most important thing in the world. Um, you know, it's it's tough. I've I've been in in business and corporate life for a long time, and I've seen yeah. some brutal crap where people are just you know they execute three hundred people. Wow, and they have no no care, no sense of, you know, fairness or life or anything, you know, or what, what should happen. And yeah, people go, Oh, well, you know, it's just business. Yeah. You know, F you business. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, yeah. these are human beings. 
And I don't care yeah. if they were good employees, bad employees, whatever. You know, when you just cut off 300 people at a time, that's something serious. You yeah. know, it, it affects it, a lot of people that can't, you know, pay for, you know, their child's medicine or whatever. You know, it's it's serious. You're, so, you're a bleeding heart, I mean, Jamil. I am. I am. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, if you run a business, you are you've you've chosen to be part of the community and part of the the business of the community if you don't uh you know live up to that responsibility then you're just a leech on the community you're just taking money from the community wow you need to be willing to give that money back to the community you can take your fair portion but you need to be uh you know a, a supporter of the community Wow, very socialist of you, Jamil. Some would call you a socialist. Why don't you go join AOC on her fucking Twitch stream? That's what some people would say to you. Hey, I'll, I'll, I have no problem with being rich. <laughs> Somebody want to write me a check for a billion dollars for Heretic Brain? I know. I'll tell you where to send the check. Really? Um, no, I, I just think... You know, yeah, there's nothing wrong with making money. I, I, you know, I, I want to be rich. I want to be a billionaire. Sure. Uh, but who doesn't, man? You, you can't do it just off the backs of your employees. No, it's not you right. Can't, you can't do it by, you know, taking five cents an hour from your employees. And a lot yeah. of, a lot of, a lot of people are doing that. I, I think and you can't, you can't blame the the pandemic on your employees. You have to, uh, you know, you have to step up and do the right thing. And then, I think the people that are part of your your family, your team, your your employees, they'll step up for you and deliver you the results that you need and that yeah. you deserve. But not if you you know grind them into the dirt when something sort of goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Pandemic. You know, it's just a passing thing. I don't know. <laughs> For sure. I mean, look at look at Amazon. Bezos made over 70 billion with a B dollars since the pandemic started. He can literally afford to pay everybody in the country three grand and still be richer than he was when the pandemic started. But yet his workers aren't getting hazard pay. They're not they're not being taken care of. And it's it's disappointing and to the point where, you know, I don't, I try not to, I try quote unquote, not to shop at Amazon, but it is such like a cultural thing now where it's like, well, yeah. it's so, it's so easy. And it's, that's the problem with things like that. It's, it's these people that got rich fixing a problem that nobody knew they really had, which is waiting an extra day or two for no, something to arrive in the mail. But they didn't get rich off of that. They got rich off of the people who did the work. That's true. Right. Yeah. So I worked, I worked yeah. in software for decades and what I kept kept coming across was, here's the people that are producing the software. They came up with the idea. They did the coding. They made the, the final product. And then it sold really well. And then you folks decided, because your stock options needed a boost, you weren't giving anybody any sort of raise in a year. Yeah. And I went to those folks and I begged and pleaded. I was like, look, 25 cents an hour. It is $1,000 across a year to give this guy a 25 cents an hour. You could tell everybody. And they were like, nobody's getting raises. And I'm like, look, you're, you're, you're telling me that the person that really made this happen, that 
added all this money to the the, the bottom line. May yeah. you know, here's fifty million dollars that yeah. they made for you, and you cannot give them twenty five cents an hour, a thousand dollars a year to tell them it's like, look, it's a you know, it's tough on the you know the overall company, uh, but we really appreciate uh, you know your you know your contributions. They wouldn't do that. And I think that is one of the most criminal things. When they were cashing out $10 million a quarter in stock options, Ooh, and some of them, uh, you know, three, $400 million a year. Wow. And they, they couldn't see their way to giving uh, a freaking 25 cents an, an hour, $1,000 a year. For one dude. The employee... Who, who made $50 million for them. And you remember working at that level um, where that raise would mean everything to you. Yes, yes. Everything, just and, emotionally, and, 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 but also financially. Doing all that, I I, I had to quit. It's the reason yeah. I had to leave software. I, I remember I that. I couldn't stand it anymore. Yeah. Because I, I, and I'm, I'm all, hey, if I could have billions, <laughs> line me up. Yeah, dude. But I could see peeling off. Maybe this is why I will never have billions. It's because <laughs> I, I'm like, look, you know, here's the people who are making this work happen. The people who are doing it, you know, it's one of the things. You know, I don't make a lot of money here, at heretic. But uh, you know, because when when it comes down to it, I look at how can we pass those dollars down to the people who are actually doing the hard grunting work? Yeah. Tough. I agree, man. I mean, even on my, even on ears up on my little Disney podcast, like my main thing was paying my co-hosts enough money to make it worth it. And for a long time they were paid more than I, I wasn't even taking any money initially because that meant a lot to me because I grew up in small businesses. I've only worked for two large companies. One was Thrifty Ice Cream and the other was Starbucks. Then it was More Beer and then it was the Brewing Network. That was it. That's my job experience. So you you sort of like come up in your formative years like that in these two small businesses and you want to make sure that that your people get paid because it's hard to do as a as a small business, you know? And got, so it's I've, it's tough. It's very tough. I've got, I've got one question for you. Why have I not been on ears up? I love Disneyland and Disney World. I don't know. What do you want to talk about? We'll talk I, about it. Let's talk about it. I, I, I took my kids to Disneyland a minimum of two, usually four times a year. Uh, all the years there. Really? Up. Maybe, yes. maybe we should we love Disneyland. Maybe wow. we should, maybe we should have you on our secret show where we drink and say cuss words. Yes. And that would be that for our Patreon people. It is. It, it really is, man. It's really great. But like, <laughs> and actually, speaking of Disney, when you're talking about stock options, like that's why the the Disney uh-huh. folks got shit on real hard during this pandemic. Is right before they did their their first round of of furloughs. Um. The so when the pandemic started, a lot of the upper management took salary cuts, which is you know admirable because they wanted to make sure that everybody could you know survive. Like you're saying, like Disney does do a little bit more than I think the average company to make mm-hmm. sure their 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 employees are 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 taken care of, and and a lot of that has been forced upon them by the the court of public opinion. But you know whatever it is, what it is. And then right before those layoffs kicked in, I think that's maybe the second round. Right before they 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 
took back their full salaries. So like <laughs> they, 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 they went back to their pre-COVID salaries and then laid off 1,800 people. And it's like, this is why this, it's, this, this is why corporations and Disney have, and their mm-hmm. stocks have, their stocks are almost at, I think, an all-time high right now. Because they come when they have, people. right, well, they have one park yeah. open, and that's Disney World, which is in Florida is seeing a giant spike in cases, but. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. That's well, it. I, I, All the other parks are closed, and so so you can't tell me number one that the stock market means that 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 people are doing well because it's not what that means. But also to take your money back and then fire people who make minimum wage. Some of them live in cars, and some of them have to have apartments with multiple people in it to survive. But you have a wine cellar. Like I just don't really feel like that's that's anyway. I don't want to get too like into the social justice yeah, of the whole I, thing. I, but I, you know, I, there's I, nothing wrong with people making money. But I'll sure. I'll tell you this: I could increase our profits right now by firing a half a dozen people. Do it. Let's call them right now. Let's get them on the line and let's tell them right now. You know, <laughs> but but it's something I just can't do. Yeah. I'll let this place go into the shitter before I just like wholesale starting to cut people off. I mean, as long as we're we're, we're doing okay and we can yeah. pay all the bills, then that's what I'm going to do. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I, you know, we we can't just, you know, and again, it's like cutting the heads off 300 people to line your pocket. That's what it was. Yeah. That's that's why I can't stand that. Any, uh, that's why I couldn't I couldn't stand working in that industry anymore. Yeah, I'm you kind of do that. I'm kind of okay with seeing some of these big Silicon Valley folks leave the state. I'm kind of okay with it. Like Oracle's leaving. Bye. I don't know. I mean, right. you have a lot of those people raising the the rent on other people. Like the, mm-hmm. you're you're part of the wage inequality in California and the housing market boom. They'll get replaced kind of by okay you know. There's there's people who want to live in California, yeah, <laughs> and the people who can you know uh, demand the higher pay rate and yeah. have the clever ideas. There's a reason why it all happened here, and right. why it'll continue to happen here. You know, uh, a lot of these ideas aren't happening you know elsewhere. Yeah, uh, well, we'll see. Well, and you, you know, because you, uh, you you you. I mean, you let people work remote, then 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 you can get some great things. Sure. You know, people are smart everywhere. You know, people aren't just smart in California. They're smart across the country. They're smart across the world. Yeah. Um, and one of the one of the the things I think the pandemic's going to help is the, the the fact that people realize people can work remotely, and you have yes. some brilliant people yes. working remotely yeah. and doing amazing things. Yeah. And once that happens, I think there will be you know a, a whole energy that that'll that'll happen that. Uh, I agree. You know, and they kick things forward. So. I, I share the same. I share the same thing. And then you know, one last thing about uh, about you know working remotely. My my nephew works in in the g- video game industry. Actually, he just worked on the uh, Marvel Avengers video game that released a few months ago. And um, I was talking to him yesterday about getting credit because he wants to transfer out of art and into like you know voiceover and more like more producer credits shit and he's like the one thing you do not get when you're doing art for video games is credit you do not get it it's all goes to the producers and the eps and the owners of the studio and all that kind of shit but those low level people who really yeah who create the levels and design the levels and do the art and do the texture and design how the flow goes and all that kind of shit they they generally systematically get shit upon 
in the games industry, nobody really gives them accolades the way that you would an artist in basically any other industry. And it's, it's very weird because there are a lot of people who do it. And a lot of that work is actually farmed out to, to uh, contract workers. And it's just this weird like hierarchy. It's almost like a, a tiered system of, of, you know, if you're a contract worker, you're, you're sort of nothing. You don't matter because you can be replaced. And then if you work for the studio, it's, it's very different and sort of like goes up the ladder. Um, but you would think, I mean, these games make $3 billion. But nobody really gets paid that much money unless you're unless you're a manager of something, yeah, unless you're a producer. Somebody, or somebody somebody up the up the ladder does. Yeah, well, exactly, and you have to get. Well, that I, title. I think with any it's crazy any job. There's like there's who you know like that. Yeah. You know, your nephew is going to get to know somebody who's going to help him in his next opportunity, and then he's going to get to know some more people. So, like that. I, I honestly believe even though things are remote, even though things are separated and, you know, people are compartmentalized, you still need to network and you need to know yep. people to oh, get yeah. places. For sure. But over overall, you know, you would think that the people who make the 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 thing that these companies mm-hmm. are making billions on would would. And, and that's all these people want is not all, but for the most part. Everyone who wants credit for the job that they do. Yeah, they want recognition. If you want to be a good manager, tell your team they're doing a good job and ask them how you can support them. That is 80, in my opinion, 80% of being management. Go to your team. How can I help you? How can I help you? That will do that will that will go one that will go very far in 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 sort of solidifying your team with you. And anyway. But they don't get that. Um, here's a question from the chat, and then we're going to wrap things up because we're getting a little, uh, you know, a little socialist. Um, we're we're going to take <laughs> off in a second. But Jonathan in the chat, Jamil, says, uh, would a company like Heretic survive in a country like Belgium, given the different ta- uh, labor laws and tax regime? I know nothing about uh, labor laws and tax regime of Belgium. Um, I can't even really point to Belgium on a map. So I'm going to uh, you know, rely on you guys to, to help me out there. Yeah, I, I think we would. I, you know, we're in California, and um, you know, one of the things in California is uh, minimum wage been going up a dollar, dollar an hour every year, which is a substantial increase. Um, and you know, there's rules on uh, healthcare. We provide healthcare for for our employees. We provide four hundred one k. We provide uh, you know, uh, good wages. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, it might be easier in, in a place like Belgium where the acceptance is on, you know, providing those, those uh, benefits to employees versus, you know, in the United States, there's, there's a lot of resistance to, to, to that where, you know, employees are, you know, a lot of employees struggle uh, in certain situations. So, yeah. I think we, I think we do do just fine. Yeah. Well, there you go, Jonathan. I don't know. Uh, Jamil, thank you, man. I appreciate your, your, your time and your insights into not only business, but cocktail uh, mixing. So <laughs> at our next holiday party, I imagine I'm going to hire you to mix cocktails for me. There you go. No. Well, thank you, brother. Yeah, man. It was, it was fun seeing you and Teresa and, yeah. and hanging out for a while. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, it has. It's, it's very different because I see you at least weekly because I, I do all the video editing for Bruce Strong. 
<laughs> and so I see you like that uh, must be annoying. Constantly. That's why you don't like me anymore. It, it yeah. well, it, no, I don't like you anymore because you're a bad kisser. But I, I, <laughs> I, it is annoying. It is, it is frankly annoying because it's so much of you. Um, yes. uh, but mainly it's because it's, it's you can't have too much of this. It's, it's mainly because it's too much of John Palmer. It's it's a lot of you, but it's too much Palmer. I mean, that guy oh. has so many. He's uh, over. Oh, yeah. He's so over, he's so over opinionated, and he talks all the time just about himself, and it's so annoying. No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, but, you've mixed us up. That's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I do that, man. I'm sorry. Uh, no, but uh, in all honesty, new episodes of Bruce Strong. I think. I think a new one will drop. Well, a new one. It's probably recorded four years ago, uh, but one will drop this week. So I'm going to edit this there show, you know. post it. Um, I'm hoping by Wednesday, and then um, I'll probably post another episode of Bruce Strong on we, Friday. We, we did like 50 episodes of Bruce Strong, and you're on episode three. Yeah, something four? like that. And and I really wanted to write in and be like, bro, stop fucking working for a second because I'm like so. I honestly got very stressed out. I had to write a whole plan. <laughs> Because we stopped, we're, we, yeah, we you stopped, stopped until, and you're resting, um, and that's that's good. But I think I'm like rest until February or January and end of January. I think I'm about that. five episodes, you know, behind because we can't just push them all to the website because then everybody would just be inundated with content. So we have to like space it out. Push. That's right. Um, but we have, you know, we have Dr. Homebrews that are going up. We have this stupid show that's going up. We have Bruce Strong that's going up. So we have to like alternate, and it's just. We're drip feeding uh, what people really pushes. want. Alternate yeah. pushes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you don't want one long push. You want, you know, yeah. squeeze, relax. Squeeze, <laughs> That's right. relax. That's right. Anybody, any any uh, <laughs> birthing mother will tell you that. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Teresa, thanks for joining us. I appreciate that, as always. Yeah. And we'll, I'll Thanks probably see you me. next week. Yeah, for as sure. always. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, Jamil, and uh, where can people go to find out where they can get your beers? I never really know the law on that. I always feel like it's a weird shifting. I got thing. no idea. We're in we're in Email a number you? of states. Email the website. We're international. Okay. We're, we're all over. All right. Well, um, if you ever find a heretic beer or cocktails, pick them up. Obviously, they're very Ask good. for it. I'm drinking Ask the... for it by name. I'm drinking the lager, um, <laughs> which, to be honest with you, I totally abused because I'm a freak, and I left it in the garage for four days because I didn't want to get COVID, and uh, I ruined it, but it still tastes really good, <laughs> so I wanted to tell you that. It's my fault, not yours. There you go. Yeah. I abuse, I abuse your beer. All right. Uh, thanks a lot, everybody. Hey, if you want to help out the Brewing Network, uh, please support our sponsors. Anybody on the commercials that you've heard uh, so far or uh, the commercials after this, which, yes, we do have commercials after this, uh, please uh, support these people. Uh, email these people. Let them know that you heard about us or heard about them through us and uh, all that kind of fun stuff. It really helps to keep us on the air, especially during these trying times. Anybody who is sticking with us, um, definitely deserves to be uh, supported because uh, times are tough. That's what we were just talking about. It's hard out there, especially right now. I'm glad things are, are looking up over the horizon there with the vaccine happening. And uh, finally, starting today, people are starting to get inoculated. So that's good stuff. And hopefully our numbers will drop and things will be sort of semi back to normal. And, and you know, we can all, uh, you know, hug and kiss again. But, uh, you know, for now, support everybody. Um, support yourselves. And, uh, you know, support your local businesses in that order. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. These cocktails got me going, man. All right. I'm going to get out of here. Thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Ah,
costumes in my sky and winning the race. JP does great as his charity can.